0: Good morning, welcome to Parkview. I'm Doug, one of the pastors here. It's great to be with you and uh, just watching you guys come in this morning. You guys that this is your church or your members here you attend here. It's just cool. I don't know if you think about this when you show up, you're communicating to everybody around you that you love God, you are here because you need God, you want to worship Him, and you love the people around you. So uh, that's a beautiful statement you make when you come here. So it's great to have you here. And if you're new, I'd love to meet you afterwards. I'll be up front. Here would love to meet you or pray with you or whatever. And if you're watching on a live stream, we love you. Glad you're with us today too. So, we are preaching through the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis this fall, okay? So, I had a friend of mine in another state tell me, "You guys are brave doing that." And one of our pastors had a seminary professor tell him that if you preach from Genesis 1 and 2, you're bound to make somebody in your church mad. Okay? So, that's not why we're doing this, like that's not, um, but it is interesting as I look around and see what other churches are teaching and preaching on around our country, I don't see a lot of churches really hammering these 11 chapters, and I think these are just crucial, essential uh, chapters for us for many reasons, I think um, as you look at the first 11 uh, chapters of the book of Genesis, especially. We, we believe that this book was written by Moses. He was attributed to have written the first five books of the Old Testament. And there's a lot of reasons why you could defend that, that Moses wrote this. And you think about the time he wrote this, he was writing to, um, the Israelites, God's people, when they were had been uh, released from slavery in Egypt. So for 400 years, they'd lived in another culture where they'd heard a lot about a, a lot of other gods. And we talked about that last week. They had over 2,000 gods. One of their prominent ones was a cat. And so that I just had, as a dog lover, I had to make the comment that if you're banking on a cat to get you through some hard times in your life, you're in big trouble, right? So, But the point is, like any God, any small g God that we're banking on, hoping in, trusting in uh, other than the true God um, is going to be pointless for us It's going to lead to despair and, and hopelessness so um, I'm, I'm excited for this and so as Moses was uh, writing about the creation about the first 11 chapters of Genesis he was communicating to God's people just some essential things they needed to know like who are they why, why are they here? Like, what's the purpose to this life? Is there a reason, or is everything just here by chance? So why are we here? And, and the beautiful message as you go through Genesis 1, as you go through the Scripture for God's people is that God, there, there is an amazing God. I, I know there's over, in our day, uh, the last count I saw, like about 2,800 different gods. And so there's a lot of gods I don't believe in, but the God I do believe in is the God of the Bible. And when I read about him, I see that we are a people created by him and for him, that he loves us, that he's great and he's good, and that he's given us a purpose. For God's people that Moses is writing to, his purpose was to bless them so that they would be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. Guys, I would say that mission and that calling is ours as well, and so... These first 11 chapters are just crucial for us to get our heads around those big questions. Who are we? Why are we here? And what's our mission? And so uh, today we're going to look at the first 25 verses of Genesis. It's going to go through the first six days or so of creation. And so what we're going to see today is that creation proclaims the glory of God. Creation proclaims the goodness of God. And that creation uh, propels us to passionate, Worship uh, of God and dependence on God. So um, I'm going to ask you to pray. And um, I'll be honest, last night at about 8 o'clock, I hated my sermon. And so I texted the other guys at East Campus and North and said, I'm kind of starting over. Like, I hate it right now. I never heard from them, so I'm not sure how they're doing. Uh, so <laughs> we'll, we'll pray for them too. So um, But yeah, let me just pray for us, and I'm going to ask you to pray too. So how about if you go first, just kind of quietly where you are, Could you say, God, would you please speak to me today through your word? Uh, Just give me something that I clearly need to hear from you today. And I've asked you to do this before, uh, and I meant it then, but I really mean it today. Uh, Could you pray for me to just clearly teach uh, what God's word says today? Help me speak from God today. God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that you are a great God who loves to talk to his people. So I pray that you would talk to us very clearly today. We love you. Teach us. In your great name we pray. Amen. All right, so Genesis 1-1. probably your easiest sermon to find where we are in your Bible. Just turn to the first page, and there you are, Genesis 1-1. All right? So we're going to actually read the first three verses together. They'll be up on the screen. Uh, So let's read them from there together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. So you're going to see as we go through Genesis, the plan is first 11 chapters this fall, and then God willing, picking up, Uh, Genesis 12 through 50 throughout next summer, all right? So, but what you'll see is that the book of Genesis is laid out very structurally, and these first, um, Genesis 1, 1 to 2, 3, kind of gives a prologue to the whole book, kind of a background uh, to the rest of the book. And so... What we see right from the get-go, and we talked about this last week, if you were here, we touched on almost like a coming attraction version of, uh, we looked at Genesis 1-1 a little bit last week, um, but we saw this, that, that the, the phrase, heaven and earth, God created the heaven and the earth. Uh, we learned so much about God just from that first sentence. Again, the Israelites coming out of Egypt, hearing about so many gods, Genesis 1-1 just squares it up, so many truths about God. The true God is eternal, the true God made everything. When it says heaven and earth, that's called a merism. It's a, it's a figure of speech It means a totality. Like God made heavens and earth. God made everything there is. And the other thing that really jumps out is the word created, okay? So if you read through the Bible, the word create that's used there is only used when God is the subject. Like only God creates in this way. And when you look at how that's used of God, many times it means that he creates out of nothing, but there's times he creates out of existing things. You'll see that in chapter 2. But it always does mean it's God who does the creating. If there was a human that made something or built something, there's different verbs for that. So this word create is uniquely used of God, and it means when God makes it, it's new, it's fresh, it's perfect. It's very good, all right? So that's, that's what we see already in this first uh, sentence. And so we talked a little bit about that last week. If we just stop and with what we know today, I, I think we're in an even more privileged, I don't know, both ways, like God's people walked through the Red Sea, right? And they got to see God do that, okay? But I'm thinking today, like with what we know in science, when we read that God created the heavens and the earth, like we can see so much bigger and broader than what, pe- what Moses' audience could. Or even now when we get down to like DNA sequencing and, and at the subatomic level of what's going on, man, we are able to go both directions and be in awe of God's creation. We talked about this last week, how uh, just looking at, at the stars, like our sun uh, is amazing. Like, so 93 million miles away from us, it, you could fit um, one million earths in the sun, The sun on the surface about 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit at the core we think about 30,000 degrees and so if God just made the sun we'd be like man that God is astonishing that God is powerful but from what we know the sun is just an average star there are a billion stars in our Milky Way galaxy alone and from what we know today there are 100 billion galaxies each with an estimated 100 billion stars and so (laughs) We just kind of read God made the heavens and the earth, like just getting our heads around what that means, like how strong that God is, how powerful that God is. And the Bible tells us that God names the stars. They're like his pets. And so we looked at that last week, and the statement in Genesis 1-1 is that our God is eternal and our God is great. He made heavens and earth. And so what happens now when you go through the creation story then, uh, the account here, of how God made everything, it's almost like what God did, what Moses is doing, is he almost made a list of who's who of the big gods of that day. And as you go through the creation account, it's like names are just getting crossed off that list, okay? So you go to day one, where God spoke. i got to pause here for a second. The, The predominant verb throughout the creation story is God speaking. All right, it it always leads each day, leads with God said, God spoke. So out of the gate, Moses wanted God's people to know your God is eternal. He's powerful and his words are powerful. His words created all that you see, right? And so God spoke and in day one, he said, let there be light, And so the power of God's word, he commands and it happens. You're going to see that nine times in chapter one, that God speaks and it happens. Like parents, wouldn't that be beautiful? If you could speak and it happens, or coaches or teachers, you speak and it happens. I wonder if God's not sitting in heaven, it's like, yeah, it'd be nice for me too. Because like all of creation obeys when God speaks, except guess who? That would be us, right? So but that's an emphasis in God 1, in, in Genesis 1, 1, day 1, that God speaks and it happens. And what you also see in day 1 is that God uh, attacks darkness. Like it, there was darkness, we're going to see when we talk about verse 2 a little bit, and God spoke and there was light. All right. So, so from the get-go, God is making a very strong case that I can defeat evil, I can defeat darkness, and all I do is speak and there is light. Okay, so whatever this God list would be, you know, any gods that control darkness or evil, God's just putting himself on the top of that stack and going, that's me. I speak, and darkness goes away, okay? Day two, uh, you see that God separates the skies, the expanse from the waters below. There was a lot of pagan mythology at the time where the heavens were the dwelling place of the powerful gods. And what you see right away in day two is God is like, you know i made the heavens like there's no gods in there like it's just me so don't be afraid of the gods who may lurk above and and the these mytho- mythological gods of the heavens like they're they're not there like i made the heavens i named the heavens like i am the god of the heavens. All right. So day two, day three, he separates the waters and the land. He sets boundaries for the waters and he calls those seas. And so right away, there was a Canaanite God, Yom, who is the God of the ocean. And God is saying like, no, I control the oceans. Like I set their boundaries. Like don't worry about some Yom God or whatever he is. Okay. And so, and then in day three, he also brought forth vegetation. And so the Canaanites, this might be a God name we're familiar with. Uh, if you read the Old Testament, the god Baal was the god who was in charge of fertility. And right away, in his creation account, God is saying, nope, I'm the one that brought forth vegetation. Cross off another name, like another powerful god that everybody else is believing in. Don't worry about him. Like, I'm in charge of vegetation and fertility. Day four, the luminaries, God sets the sun, moon, stars, and the seasons. Guys, every culture, it seemed at that time, was worshiping the sun, or the moon, or looking at the stars for direction. And God, in just day four of creation, is saying, don't worry about those gods. Like, I made them. I made the stars. And the Bible goes out of its way so many times to let us know that God merely spoke, and the stars in the heavens came to be. And so, again, that checklist is just getting knocked down. And so what you see uh, throughout the creation account is God is saying, I am great. Like through the creation story, we see that God is glorious. Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. Like God, what is it? What's the point you're trying to get across to your people? He wants us to know that he is a great God and there is none like him. Like he is superior to all gods. He has all strength, like all that we see, he created. Sometimes when people are getting to see how big the universe is, like some people almost like skeptically are saying, well, why would God have made a universe so big? I think, or, or maybe now going the other direction, like why, why are things so complex when we get down to the subatomic level? And God is just proclaiming to his people, I am great, like I am glorious, be in awe of who I am and what I have made. Our universe, even our universe cannot contain how glorious and great our God is. I love Romans one twenty. It says this, For God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. God says, I want you to see how great I am. I want you to know who I am. And God screams to us through his creation. We see that in Genesis 1. And so, and so I wish that everybody in my life, I, I don't know, I have my moments. Like, I love praying outside. I love praying out at the Res on Squire Point and the trails out there, Woodpecker Trail. I love, even on my deck the last couple of weeks, like, guys, some of the nights where the stars are just out. Isn't it awesome just to go and just see God's creation? I wish all my neighbors, I wish all the people I love in my life um, would have that same response, like would see in creation and just be drawn to worship God. But that's that's not happening in our world. It's almost like, uh, have you seen these kind of optical illusions before, where you can look at them and there's two different things there. Like this one, uh, if you look at that, maybe this is kind of a very familiar one, it's been around for a long time, but if it's not, like if it's new to you, like if you, that's a duck and a rabbit, there's both animals in there, right? So it's a duck looking to our left, like those two things sticking out are his beak, and that's his eyeball, or maybe you see the rabbit, like so the rabbit would be looking to our right, and the two things sticking out to the left are his ears, right? So that's been around for a while. If you haven't seen that, you're still cool. But like that's, again, some people might look at that and say, well, I see the rabbit, where's the duck? And, and so that's, that's one. Here's another one that's been uh, out maybe for a while. Like I don't know what you see first. Like some people see like a chalice or, you know, like a candle holder or something that's white right there in the middle. But some people look at that and they right away see two, Faces, kind of almost going nose to nose and squaring off. So can you see both of those uh, in that picture? So here's one. Somebody threw at me. It was new to me this week, and I couldn't see both. And, and so uh, there's, I don't know. So what this is, it's like if you look at it in one way, that's a rabbit kind of like resting like his chin in somebody's hand. Do you see that? The eyes and the ears going back. Or like the other one, I could not see. The person that had explained it to me. like, Or it's a crow. Like, and so the two things going that way are like the crow's beak and there's a he's laying the back of his head into the hand, okay? Man, if I've already lost you, I'm sorry. Like, just God loves you and all that. So, but no, that's... uh, So, but honestly, like, people can look at something and see two different things. I think uh, in some ways that can happen with creation too, that people can look at it and come to two different conclusions, that, wow, this had to be made by a God. Like, this is astonishing. Look at the design. Look at the order. Uh, look at um, the fine tuning of the universe, like look at the intricacy of the DNA codes like there 's no way that just happens like there 's a designer here, and yet there is a segment of our of our country of our world today that will look at the same stuff and just immediately just come to other conclusions. There is no God. Like This this has to have an explanation. And so um, what, one, one thing I'm glad we're doing during this series is we're doing three evenings. Where we're doing some equipping on the book of um, Genesis. Ah, the name. I'm spacing it off right now. Uh, exploring Genesis. And so the first one is next Sunday night. There's one on November 10th. And those first two will deal with science and faith Kind of issues. On the 10th, I have a friend coming from out of town who's a microbiologist and loves to talk about these issues. And so um, I just want to say that as Christians, um, you have nothing to fear from science. In fact, during the scientific revolution, uh, some of the forefront leaders in that were Christians who loved science because science was a way for them to discover more and more about God. Like you can learn, like Romans 1 said, you can learn about your God through what he has made. And so there was a real just honest pursuit of God. Let's look at the evidence. Let's look at the data. Let's learn more about our God. And so what's been really interesting, though, and I don't know how long this has gone, but it does seem there is a uh, other side that is using science uh, as almost like a club to defeat uh, belief in God. It just, it, it seems that way. And so it's interesting, though, that as advances are coming in the bigness of the universe and the smallness, there's people like one at a time just kind of stepping out from maybe old worldviews about all this just happened by chance, there is no God. Um, a big one that happened about 10 years ago was a guy named Anthony Flew, who was an outspoken atheist philosopher for like 50 years, that around 2008, the late you know, around 2010, came out and said, um, I, I believe now that there is a designer, if not a god. Like, things are, are way too intricate to have just happened by chance. Like, that was a huge statement for a guy who had written books on atheism, who was now by the design of creation, led to conclude there had to be a designer. You know, there's another one to watch. It just happened about a month ago, a couple months ago. There's a guy out of Yale named David Girlante, G-E-R-L-A-N-T-E. And so he has recently uh, denounced Darwinism for some of the same reasons. He calls it an outdated theory with too many holes in it to really count on or trust in. But he goes on, and what's interesting about him is some of the comments he makes about the academic community that he's in. Uh, he says, and he warns, that in many ways that in the scientific community, evolution has become like a religion. And so instead of objectively looking at evidence, there's now kind of like this religion versus another religion, that these are more based on bias than on evidence. And so it's interesting having somebody from within the ranks make those comments. So he's written in several places. Again, I'd just maybe um, I'd just give that to you to explore uh, some of the things that he is, is saying. And so what what we long for, and again, as believers in Christ, like stepping into science and and pure research, like letting the evidence speak for itself, really will point us, I believe, to the creator. God loves to communicate himself through his creation. When it's done without bias, without false presumption, you let the creation speak, and it'll point us to God. So so Genesis 1 is, is showing us that, that we have a great God, and he's revealing himself to us through creation. So creation points us uh, to the glory of our creator. Um, the second point is that creation proclaims the goodness of God, okay, the goodness of God. And so let me read again verses 1 through uh, 5. And I want you to pay special attention to verse 2. Sometimes verse 2, we just skip over. I'm gonna, we're going to circle in verse 2 for a little bit this morning. So says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 2, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and he called the darkness night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. So verse 2 has a striking tone to it. If you don't skip over and just jump to verse 3, something should grab you about verse 2 that isn't right. Like we just said, we just said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We just said that when God bara, when God creates, like it's good and all that. But verse two kind of slams the brakes on, and it begins with a very ominous tone. It uses words like uh, the earth was formless and void. That word formless literally meant a waste, and it's used in, in in parts of the Old Testament to refer to places that God judges. So formless, void, and dark. Like, throughout the scripture, darkness uh, represents death or evil. Uh, This is not what you would expect. Okay, God created the heaven and the earth, and then, whoa, formless, void, and dark. Like that, That should grab our attention. That's ominous. That's not good. And so what you see, starting in Genesis 3 on, is how God steps in to that darkness, the formlessness, the void, and begins to produce what is good. Okay, so... Uh, it's beyond Genesis, like Moses doesn't go into, okay, what are you talking about, Moses? Like, what, How did verse 2 get there? That's not his point, like his point this morning, you'll see if we just let the text speak for itself, it's going to tell us that God is great, God reveals his glory through his creation, and God is good in that he's able to take what's formless and void and dark and make it good. That's Moses' point. But you, as a Bible reader and interpreter, you do have to ask, okay, what are we talking about? Like, and so I, the best I've got, and I would encourage you to look too, is that when Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning God created heavens and the earth, he's talking about the beginning of heaven, earth, and all the creation we see. I do believe there's places you can look in the Bible that go before that, right? So um, J- John 1 says, in the beginning, sounds just like Genesis, in the beginning was the word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And as you read John 1, you find out that that's Jesus. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So you see, there was a time before creation that, that Jesus, God the Son, was with God the Father in eternity past, all right? So so when Moses is starting here in Genesis 1, he's starting with, in the beginning of this creation of heavens and earth, okay? So the other question you might have to ask and answer is like, okay, then why was it dark? Why was was it broken, formless, void? And so for that, you might look at Ezekiel 28, 11 through 15, where it talks about God and Satan and some angels and a rebellion that happened. And so to me, that's the best explanation of why you get to one, two, and there's darkness and void, is that there's been a little bit before this, right? But Moses' point is, uh, I want you to know about God who created the heaven and the earth, that he's good and he's great, okay? So let's, let's unpack this. Okay, why did, he, why did he put verse 2 in there? I think it's to show the goodness of God. And so, because what you see is that the rest of the creation story Is God taking a run at darkness, at void and uh, uh, waste, uh, uh, empty and void? Okay, so without form and void, God just takes a run at those. Okay, and He produces what is good. So, verse three, for example, it says that. uh, So, I'm sorry. Get ahead. Slow down, Doug. Just chill. It's good. You'll get it across. Okay. So the first three days, I think, is where you see God form chaos into structure. And then days four, five, and six, you see God fill those forms, okay? It was formless and void. Now God takes chaos and puts some form to it. So day one is where he uh, said let there be light. So right away, darkness gone. He separates the light from the darkness, day and night, okay? So there's some order and structure coming in. Day two is where he separates the sky from the waters, so again, some structure there, the form is coming into place. Day three is where he st- he separated the land from the seas again, you see God bringing some form out of chaos and so days one, two, and three, you see form, and then days four, five, and six, you see God coming back and filling each of those okay so like days one and four are paired together days two and five, days three, and six okay so so in day four he uh, fills. The heavens with the lights, with moon, stars, uh, the sun. Right, day five, he fills the expanse and the waters with birds and creatures of the sea, and then day uh, six is where he fills the land with the land creatures, and so, and then day seven, we're talking about that in two weeks, is where God rests. It's the only day that had no pair to it. So, bottom line is, there's a pattern to creation here that God steps into where there was chaos and darkness, uh, formlessness and void, and God speaks, the pattern is God speaks, Uh, there's a creative word, there's then an explanation of what happens, and then God calls it good. So six different times in the passage, God calls it good. God is able to take what was formless, void, dark, and make it good. So uh, Moses writing, to the Israelites, God speaking to us today through his word says that I am a God who is good. I can take those dark places, those formless places, those empty places in your life, and I can do work. I can bring form. I can fill it, and I can call it good. That's, that's the God that we worship. That's the God that we follow. So again, Moses, what do you want your people to know about God? He is strong, and he is good. He's the God that fixes what is broken. So around my house, like if you were to see me and my uh, projects over the years, like I'm usually really bad at fixing my own stuff, okay? There's somebody here that actually fixes stuff for us. Uh, He's great at it, I I stink at it, okay? So, but something happened about five years ago where I was, I'm actually able to do, actually my wife is the fix-it-upper between the two of us, like she can fix stuff better than I can. But something happened about five years ago or so where I started finding, like, those YouTube videos. Like, I've been able to, like... I unclog a sink or I change light bulbs in my cars and do some, I'm not overhauling engines yet but like some pretty like for me some pretty good stuff like I just watched some moron do it on YouTube and then this moron can go and just do the same thing like so far that's working for me so that's good I'm able to start fixing some things the other this is another strategy I have about the last five or ten years is there's a hardware store about a mile from me so like if it's stuff like restringing my uh, weed eater like I hate that like it just takes me, maybe I could do it, but it would take me like two hours. Meanwhile, I know there's a guy about a mile away that if I just show it to him, it's done in like 30 seconds. So like, hey man, do you mind? Like, I think I bought this here. Like, Do you mind like, helping me? And it's just like, you know, the guy does it, right? And so that's worked for me too. Sometimes though, if it's something super simple that I should be able to do, I'll ask Lori to do it or one of my daughters. Like to go ask him to help out. So kind of ashamed, I guess, to do that. But, but here's a way better point. I mean, the stuff that breaks around our house, it's a nuisance. What about the stuff in our lives? They're just absolutely broken. Like, I can't go to the hardware store and say, hey, man, can you help me stop getting so angry when I drive? Or can you, I know God's great and all that, but I'm not sleeping so good because I'm just worried about a bunch of stuff. Can you, uh, can you fix that? I mean, that guy kind of just kind of looking at me and go, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, um, but we have a God who loves stepping in the places of chaos and darkness and brokenness, and so I just, I just, I just see God here calling His people to Him. Hey, I want you to be drawn to My greatness, but I also want you to be drawn to My goodness because I'm a God who loves to fix what is broken. I'm a God who loves to shine light where it's where it's dark. And I, I just, I wonder how many times when we see stuff's broken, like we just pull away, or we just try to do it on our own or figure it out. Um, when, on the other hand, there's a God who just invites us to come and let me show you my goodness. Let me show you my power. Let me show you I can put light in darkness. I can fix uh, stuff that's broken. And so um, let me just wrap up with this. We said, so creation has shown us the glory of God, shown us the goodness of God. And I say the creation really propels us when we really see it and see the creator behind it uh, to passionate worship and dependence on God. I love Psalm 33. There's so many psalms that talk about the creation, but Psalm 33, verse 6, uh, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth, all of his host, all of their host. Verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. So God, bottom line, God, what do you want from us from this passage this morning? God wants us to worship him. He's a jealous God. That sounds petty. Like maybe when you were in junior high, you were jealous of friends that were friends with other people. God's not petty. God's jealous out of love for you. He knows that if you love and pursue any other God, it will not work for you. It will not help you. He's jealous for your love and worship because he is the only true God who is truly great and truly good. And so um, God's word couple of takeaways for us just specifically. God's Word is powerful. You guys, we've seen that. He spoke and these things happen. So I think God invites us in a fresh way this morning to read and trust His Word, to do to do what He says. When creation does what He says, some pretty amazing things happen. I think the same is true for us. When we obey God's Word. You watch what happens. And then ultimately, I think God is calling us uh, to worship Him through Jesus Christ. We're going to see Jesus just, just gradually unfolded even through Genesis 1 through 11, but throughout all Scripture, God is pointing us to Jesus. And again, if I could read John 1, in the beginning was the Word, it's Jesus, the Word is with God, the Word was God, He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made that have been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. And then verse 14 says this, the Word became flesh, And he lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John, the Gospel of John, was written by Jesus' best friend on the planet. And so when he says, We have seen his glory, uh, he really had. Like he was there when Jesus just spoke and the stormy sea stopped. He was there uh, when Jesus spoke and a dead man came out of a grave. Like he saw the glory of God in Jesus. And so what I love about this this morning is maybe Genesis 1 is hitting you, and you're saying, yeah, the the creation is amazing and beautiful, uh, but how do you get out and just put your arms around a creation? You know, God has revealed himself generally through his creation, but he's revealed himself specifically through Jesus Christ. So if you want to know the God of creation, you, you know his son Jesus Christ. Uh, who came to this earth to be with us, full of grace and truth. And so um, a good takeaway for us today is in Jesus you have a Savior who is powerful, who's defeated sin and death, who again spoke in the storm stopped. He's a Savior you can trust because of His power, but He's also a Savior you can trust because of His grace and His love. Let me wrap up with this verse, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. If anyone is in Christ anybody believes in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. What a beautiful access we have to the creator God through his son, Jesus. Before I preached last hour, um, Elka, um, Greta Reynolds' daughter, uh, came up to me and we were talking and she was crying about her mom passing away. And then it, it wasn't this one, but she handed me a note that she found that her mom had written. And if you knew Greta, it was like, uh, just the letters looked flowery. There was even like a smiley face with a little stump sticking out of the top. I couldn't tell. I asked, oh, okay, is that a pumpkin? She said, no, oh, all my mom's faces had a little stick coming out of the top. I don't really know what that was. So, but the words on this card were Psalm sixteen eight, which says, and, and if you know Greta and you know her story, you know, the battles she fought, but yet the joy she showed and the way she served. This was her verse written on that card. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will never be shaken. You know, if you, if you want to summarize Genesis 1, what does God want his people to know? He says, God, God would say, I want my people to, to look at Greta's verse and live by that, that the Lord is always before me. He's great. He's good. And and he's always at my right hand, so I will not be shaken. And what's really interesting to me is just three verses after the one that Greta wrote is where God says in Psalm 1611, in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. Like that's where she is right now, in fullness of joy. And yet she's talking to us through a little posting note with a smiley face and a stick coming out of the top is that we can live our lives setting our eyes on God, that he's at our right hand, and we will never be shaken. So let me give you a chance uh, to pray to kind of wrap this up. And uh, let me just guide you into two areas you could pray about. What if we start with just the power and the glory of God? And so what if your prayer, just quietly where you are, starts with praising God for his power and or just crying out to him because you need that power like what what's something in your life you just feel weak or somebody in your life you know needs God's power like just respond to the power of God that we have seen in his creation to uh do one other thing when we're praying here just remember what we just saw what God did with Genesis 1: 2 what God did with chaos what God did with darkness what God did with something that was formless and void a waste empty and do any of those words describe you right now or describe your heart or describe a relationship describe or maybe there's someone you're just super close to that, Maybe one of those words describes them or something they're battling. Can you just cry out right now to the God who is good, the God who brings order out of chaos, who brings light out of darkness, who fixes what's broken and calls it good. Can you just go to that God right now? God, help us as we try to get our heads around the book of Genesis. I pray we wouldn't get lost with the forest and the trees and the different questions we could be asking. Help us ask those questions well. But bottom line, help us not miss what you're just saying square, up front, and loud as you can. That you are a great God and that you're a good God. And you don't want us chasing after things that aren't going to hold us up, that aren't going to last You want us to run after you hard. You want us to worship you. Thank you for Greta's verse and her example. Help us truly be a people that set you before us, who know that you're at our right hand and who will not be shaken so that we can serve you, so that we can bless the city and the world around us with what you've given us. God, we love you. Thank you for teaching us today. In your great name we pray, amen.